Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Collecting Issues, where this week we'll be taking a look at Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, Volume 1, Collecting Issues 1 to 3 of IDW's 2013 series, also collecting Death of Optimus Prime by James Roberts and Nick Roach. You forgot to say Alex Neal. Yeah, I did, but we're going to put that in now. Um, I'm not doing. I'm not redoing an intro again, Michael. Uh, I should mention that Transformers More Than Meets the Eye is written by James Roberts and illustrated by Alex Milne. There you go, good man. Um, as we go along. So we're looking at Volume 1 this week, Michael. And Michael, this is one that's close to your heart. Ben, finally, we're talking about something that I like. <laughs> Hooray! Um, it's very fucking good, Michael. Oh, good. That's yeah. a very positive start. Yeah. Ben, I was surprised, Michael. I'll just give I, you a little bit of context. Yeah, because that's one of the things I suppose that would be difficult. It's, it's in continuity. So, it, it well, it isn't. It isn't. Okay. Here's the thing, right? We're going to approach this from the perspective of we've we're only we're focusing on this trade paperback. We're not talking about the whole series. No, we're focusing right? on one to three. So, Transformers comics for many many years were made by Marvel. Yes. And Marvel UK. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Uh, the first Transformers miniseries had Spider-Man in it. Get out of town. Yeah, yeah, they were part of the Marvel. They were introduced into the Marvel mainstream continuity. So if it had stuck together, you might be seeing them in the MCU today. That would be much better than the current yeah. live action adaptations we have. So, yeah, they were introduced as like they were just going to be superheroes. That's why they all have superpowers. That's why some uh, of them have weird things that they weird can things do. Weird things they like can do that turn, others can't. Exactly. Turning invisible, ne- doing a force field. What was it? A, ne- a nemo surgeon? It a comes ne- in a yeah, little bit. But the, that's a new thing. So... Many years, Marvel. Mm. Ignore all that. That doesn't matter. That continuity's been right? scrubbed. Then Transformers, the license was acquired by Dreamwave Productions. What in God's name is Dreamwave it Productions? Was Jim Lee. The, oh. We have a few, there are a few posters up there, Ben. Jimsy Lee. Yeah, it's Dreamwave, isn't it? And Not a bad logo. They went, Ben, they went bankrupt. <gasps> and many of the artists weren't paid. No money. And eventually, uh, Transformers made its way back to IDW. IDW. And in IDW, they hired some of the old school writers of Transformers uh-huh. and they started Transformers afresh. And that became the 2005 continuity of Transformers. Exactly. Right. But, Ben, not massively pop- popular. But, but not massively popular. Well. Well, was it Chris Hemsworth? Yeah. Isn't anyway, go on. So anyway, uh, the thing, the, the, the reason I've skimmed over all of that is because you really don't need to know all Any that, of that stuff. All really. that jazz. Um, one of the things that people who I have given this comic to before to read have said is there is a lot of terminology in it. Yeah. There's a lot of Transformers terminology in it. Yeah. And Ben, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You don't need to know any of that because a lot of it was invented by the writer of this, James Roberts. Okay. And it's, So it's his terminology. It's his terminology and this comic this collected volume is the first time for almost all of those terms to appear i think that's really good though i think that's really respecting your reader and assuming that they can figure it out as they go along that is probably the best thing about this comic i I think it might have been because i found myself first of all very 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 hesitant to read it because i'm not a transformers guy and I was really worried that I was going to have to sit here in front of you and say, oh, yeah, no, it was, it was grand. All right, yeah, um, I liked when they turned no, into cars. No, but I can, I can honestly sit in front of you and say, it's bloody good. It's pretty good, isn't it? Um, if anything, it's made me very sympathetic towards Transformers fans who's, who have had to sit through the bloody Michael Bay-verse. Well, What ben, an insult to the characterization and effort that goes into those characters. To say that one or the other is better 
would be true because this is better than that. Yes. <laughs> but they're two very different takes on Transformers and neither of them have any claim really to being the, the true Transform- take on Transformers. The one true Transformer. Exactly. So to many people, this is more to their taste mm. because, for example, it has characters. Right. And plot and, and flawed characters more than that. Flawed and characters. motivations and personal motivations and switching allegiance. My God. Themes. It's like Game of Thrones with cars. <laughs> but they were also people. <laughs> they were also people. They're also cars, but they're also people. Yeah, so... It was a little bit like watching a Rick and Morty episode where we're like, it's two brothers, it's two cars, and they're in space, and they have a goal. <laughs> it is a little bit. Okay, I can see that. But, um, so, the thing about it is, the death of... Op- the previously before yeah, this so there's, comic, a, there's a prologue attached to this uh, trade paperback but even before this prologue there was a huge crossover event in Transformers which is kind of brushed aside now and gone look Cybertron is back we're tying up some loose ends here and there actually Ben you bloody tell us what do you, how do you think it kind of starts what's the plot How's I'm the assuming plot there was a huge battle where Optimus Prime pulled the martyr card and did an L did an L sacrifice Basically. move a, a JC if you will but it doesn't really matter yeah no, it doesn't seem to at the start of this. Mm-hmm. But he has an interesting existential moment in the opening few panels of this prologue. Um, I thought it was a great place to start where he's kind of reassessing his place in the world because I don't think anybody reads Transformers or watches Transformers without knowing who Optimus Prime is. A very good kind of introduction character. Is. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's an important point because anyone who knows Transformers knows Optimus Prime. And if Optimus Prime is confused... Then we're all confused and that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. So the fact that Optimus Prime can't figure out what's going on then you're kind of reassured. Yeah. Oh, we're not supposed to really know what's going on. This is a clean slate. Yeah, this it is was a, a very Italian Renaissance take on kind of Optimus Prime in hell. It was a, a purgatory moment for Optimus yeah, Prime. Actually, it was a little um, bit. No, there's, there's a lot of, this is one of the things I really enjoyed about this series, Michael, is there's a lot of literary references going on here that you don't expect from a robot transforming car um, thing. It's, it's but not all series. cars. Uh, well, some uh, of them are airplanes. A transforming robot um, comic series. Um Look, let's let's get into it, Michael. Right. Um, I think that prologue is a great way to start because, if anything, that's giving people a nice transition into a very clean slate mm-hmm. of what we're doing. And it's basically Optimus Prime's swan song, at least in, in this trade paperback. I'm not sure whether he comes back it's later bit. on. Um, I didn't know that Optimus Prime is a title and that he has a real name. Is it, though? Or is that James Roberts? Well, it is and it isn't. See, I'm going to need you a lot for this. Yeah, Um <laughs> You see, as I was saying, there's no real one continuity that can lay claim to Transformers being the definitive Transformers continuity. Yeah. In a lot of them, when you when a character gets the matrix of leadership... And that's, bec- that's what makes them a prime. That's what makes them a prime. Okay. So his name was Orion Pax. Yeah. And he became Optimus Prime. Orion Pax sounds like a lad you have a chat with in the doll. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm Orion Pax. Uh, Rodimus, Hot Rod briefly inherited the Matrix and became Rodimus Prime. Was he a Bumblebee replacement at some point? He was. He yes, was the I Bumblebee recall replacement for the 1984 movie. Okay, fair That enough. was kind of his point. He was voiced by Jude Nelson. Is that why the Nelson. robots say 1984 so often? Oh, there you go. I've been, I've been, oh, I've been enjoying this, Michael. You're catching, you're catching, you're catching up. Um, but anyway, anyway, let's, let's get into Sorry, it a little yes. bit more. The war is over. Yeah. The Autobots have won. Yeah. The Decepticons are prisoners. Yes, I can see that. And the huge twist is... It turns out the Decepticons and Autobots were smallish factions. In a much the, larger scheme. In a much other race. And at the end of the war, the message has gone out. The war is over. Everyone who left Cybertron 
come home. Oh, so it's a diaspora call. Yeah. Okay. And then the the, the, the diaspora. And the diaspora. They come back. Very Italian. <laughs> and they're a little bit disappointed to find their world has been ravaged by these two warring Packs factions of pricks, of pricks basically. Um, but the Autobots yes. are a bit loath to give up their warlike ways. Status. And there's a kind of hint, there's an undercurrent of racism and oh, othering. This, this is, uh, what struck me the most is, I assumed it had been written in 2016. Right. Um, I fully because assumed that it was very political. A little bit of MAGA. There's an absolute undercurrent of MAGA and drain the swamp and mm. get rid of the elites, scrub the deck. It's not. It was written in 2013. Yeah. But oddly prophetic of the state in which America finds itself. Yeah. Um, Interesting, actually. And I'm unfortunately many of my readings of this are going to be political. So if you're not a fan of that, yeah, yeah, um, interestingly, though, written by English and Irish people. Well, there's a very anti-monarchy vibe because, if anything, the the Prime or the Autobots, mm-hmm. um, which it turns out is just a, a faction title, mm-hmm. um, the Autobots are bloody royalists. They, they yeah. enjoy their elite status, and there's a strong military propaganda under vibe that runs their hierarchy. There's a real sentiment of we brave few who stood yeah, and sacrificed. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, they're a military force. But it's interesting to finally see that explored in such a way. And you see those factions kind of divide themselves in huge ways. I mean, mm-hmm. two of the prime characters that you see that go after this is Rodimus Prime and he's Prowler. He's not Rodimus Prime anymore. Or Prowl is just Prowl. Prowl. Um, and he's just Rodimus now? Yeah. yeah. He's no longer a prime. There's only one Matrix and he gave it back to Optimus. Oh, right. Um, and he- then Optimus splits his Matrix and gives half to... Bumblebee, Bumblebee and, and half, half to, to Rodimus. Rodimus. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody complicated stuff. So the Matrix of Leadership is split right down the middle and given to these two. And I guess those three characters, Bumblebee, Rodimus, and Prowl, represent three factions of what happens inside a military hierarchy as you go along. Right. Um, so Prowl is very much a military... By the book. ...dictatorship mm. by the book. Uh, he makes some very questionable war calls and he's all about the last line of defense and things like that. So this um, this anti-Autobot kind of sentiment um, grows throughout the thing, especially when Optimus Prime returns. Yeah. Because to the people of Cybertron or Cybertronians, yeah, is that what no, they're called? Yeah, uh, the people of Cybertron um, see You've him. never said a lot of these words out loud. No, right? it's very <laughs> difficult for me to say. Um, that's why I'm checking that my eyes here, for anyone who obviously you can't see, it's not a visual medium, but my eyes here are doing a lot of checking of yeah. Michael across <laughs> the mic. Am I saying that right? right? <laughs> um, and one of the interesting things that we see is that sentiment grows and grows and it's, it's very much like populism, I suppose, mm. as we've seen it. Um, and there's almost a, a call for a, a lynching of, of Optimus Prime. We see the the straw man effigy. There's a, an Optimus Prime being burned in, yeah. a, in a town square um, and it grows and it grows. And in response to that, uh, Prowl decides to crack down and do crowd control very similar to what we see in Hong Kong at the minute I suppose where it's just look we need to end this so he makes a horrible call and he frees the Decepticons from their imprisonment and mm-hmm. in exchange for their in exchange for their cooperation they receive freedom and that to me a degree of freedom a degree of freedom they still have explosives in their heads but that to me that's the the cla- ID chips is it an ID chip because they, they talk about a claw 
at that's some later, point. That's okay, later. okay. That's something I didn't understand, but we'll get to that. Well, the, can I just interrupt? Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the, ID, the ID chips were a clever little thing because they're just introduced casually. Don't okay. worry, we put ID chips in the Decepticons. Yeah. And then you, like I, like everyone, Transformers fan or not, goes ID chips for tracking them. Of course. And then later we find out that they're inhibition deterrence chips. Oh, it's not ID at all. It's not identification. Because they play around with that a little bit with the GPS because that's galaxy positioning system yeah. it's not global positioning system at all well that's just um, a twist in the word play. but it's an interesting foreshadowing of how they play with that kind mm-hmm. of language um, and it's interesting to see but what I what I found really interesting and because you mentioned it British and Irish um, people aside that reeks of the black and tans that we would have had in our history where the mm. British forces they released their prisoners to, to deal as crowd deterrent and crowd control mm-hmm. um, and then we have other characters in there Metal Hawk um, is very much a Republican um, and against this idea of the Autobots being in control of their their time together. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to see these different factions. And then the one who's most interesting to me is Rodimus because he follows the fascist logic of World War II with Germans. Go on. Where he's looking for a mythical heritage. He wants to find no. the Knights of Cybertron who he says are their old way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anyone who's a study or a student of, of World War II, that's exactly how Hitler rose to power. He created a false heritage around mm. uh, Norse mythology and things like that and pushed that. So it was really interesting for me to read, especially in the death of Optimus Prime prologue, the different political ideologies that were being pitted against each other. And it's exactly what we see in, in modern America. It's so very for your, interesting. For your information, Ben, that death of Optimus Prime prologue spun off into two series. Really? Uh, More Than Meets the Eye, which is what we follow in the next three Mm -hmm. issues, and the Transformers Robots in Disguise, which stays on Cybertron and and deals with Bumblebee and Metal Hawk and Starscream. I'd like to read that, I think. Personally, less good. Oh, okay. It's not as good a series. So I don't need to worry about that. Uh, look, I mean, you could give it a go. If the, if, if what you really enjoyed about the, the Death of Optimus Prime was that aspect, the nails coming back and the racism yeah. and the... Nails was interesting, It's an interesting it? term, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And especially when Sideswipe, I think, is saying nails. Na- I just like saying it. It just like saying it. And it's interesting that Optimus cuts him off. Mm. He's like, nobody give will Give it be, over, you yeah. jerk. And it's interesting to see that flaw brought to the Autobots. Because the Autobots originally... That's sideswipe. Uh, the Autobots originally were such paragons of virtue and they were the good guys and that was just the way it was because mm-hmm. as we've said on previous podcasts, Michael, they were done to, sold to-, to sell toys. To sell toys. Um, but I thought it was a fascinating expansion of a universe that I didn't know much about. And then when we eventually move on and start into the more than meets the eye run, it's, it's a bloody Victorian explorer frontier novel, Michael. Exactly. That's all it is. That's it's H. Ryder Haggard with robots. Yeah. Um, I loved it. It's my favourite type of series. It's a, an adventure going off on a spaceship. Yeah, it's an adventure going off, but it's just a, a frontier novel. It's mm-hmm. just a, the terror novel. And it has all the things associated with that. It, it very much follows Manifest Destiny, mm-hmm. um, which is what we would have seen prior to that. What a, what a fantastic little series, Michael. I'm telling you. You have lots of different personalities that are clashing with each other. Um, it's a very good ensemble, isn't it? It's a great ensemble cast. You have the wild card. You have this, the mentally unstable character in Whirl. Whirl, yeah. Um, is that him there? That's Whirl, Whirl there. He's a um, lunatic. He turns into a helicopter. But Whirl's now lunatic. Yeah. Um, and he was desecrating bodies on, on... What was he doing? Was he robbing graves? Plundering graves for Spark? Or... Don't, don't know. It doesn't matter. We uh, in, in this volume, uh, some of the things that you need to understand before you read it are, are what are important to... Uh, a Cybertron, yeah, a Cybertronian, or, Cybertronian. A, or, or a what is that bot? A I Transformer. Guess. They have their spark, which is their equivalent of a soul, I guess. 
Yeah. It's the spark their equivalent of yeah. the soul or their, their personality. Um, and then you have their brain unit, which brain is module. important. Their brain module. And then you have something else, the three words. Transformation cog. Transformation cog. And what I found out from this is uh, the transformation cog wears out over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very interesting to me. Um, I had no idea. They really add a religious aspect to um, and again, Transformers that I never would have expected. This is a key thing about this series is James Robert introduced this concept. Yeah. The, the, you would, it would be very easy to pick this, this volume up and go, what? Yeah, I mean, but you have to remember, and it's really hard to remember this. But the hardcore Transformers fans are hearing a lot of this terminology for the first for the time first as well, time. and going, "What? What's all this now?" I'm really loving it because it it really elevates them from the position of robots with no. It makes it a lot easier to get, to get attached to the characters. Mm-hmm. Like I found it very disturbing that Whirl is found desecrating bodies, right, by the former. Cyclonus. Cyclonus, yeah, who is not a Decepticon. He's not a Decepticon. But has been branded Decepticon. Yes. Because of a misunderstanding. Yes. Which, again, is fascinating because you get into that identity politics here mm-hmm. in the current day where you have people being called fascists or cooks or, or libtards. Or yeah. It doesn't matter. Shields. People are grouping or bunching people together without actually taking the time to understand where they're coming from. And it's exactly the same on Cybertron, where if you're against a certain set of values, you're a Decepticon, or mm-hmm. if you're against an, a different set of values, you're an Autobot. And and then you have the nails in the middle of this, um, which are, I suppose, a parallel for immigrants or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and it's such a fascinating look at things. But giving these characters so much difference of opinion and so much kind of religious background in certain cases and scientific backgrounds in others, it's fascinating to watch how that can really humanize those characters for you and really give you a way into the story. I think one of my favorite moments where all that clashes is that one of the characters is trying to come up with a, a religious explanation for a spark stealer. Is that what it's called? Yeah, spark eater. Spark, a spark eater. Um, and, the, and the doctor, Ratchet, just mm-hmm. sits there and goes, okay, you ramble yeah. and I'm going to I'm do a scientific breakdown of how this happened. Um, and it's interesting to see how a bunch of sentient robots could ever believe in religion. That's Drift, he's there. Uh, where's Drift? He's over, this, this lad no, here? No, beside him there on your left, that's Drift there. Here? No, the white one. This guy. That's Drift, yeah. He he's the religious one. He looks very good there. He's, he cool. was, he's a former Autobot who's found God. He's a former Decepticon. Or a former Decepticon who's seen the light. Yeah. He's a born again Transformer. Born again Transformer, <laughs> yeah. <and> he's <laughs> um, Bonkers. The thing about this is a lot of these characters, these characterizations of them are new. Ah. Because they either, most of them are C-listers. Yeah. Most of them had fleeting appearances in previous media. Okay. So... James Roberts was given the opportunity and took the opportunity to flesh them out as he saw fit. Swerve, for example, he's the kind of comedy motor mouth. Yeah, yeah. Loves a good quest. And then it's Swerve and... What's the name of the other guy? The guy who just thought dead? Skids. Skids, Swerve and Skids. And they kind of form a little buddy. <laughs> There's Skids there. A buddy cop kind of thing. The funny thing that you were saying, though, is that these this comic exists to sell toys. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And... It really didn't. That's the the odd twist on this. Because these were all B and C list characters that had toys in the 80s or 90s, but then faded into obscurity. And when this comic was made, James Robert picked characters who hadn't been used in years. And gave them a brand new... And gave them a brand new lease of life, a new personality. And it made a lot of sense in the arc context of things because... 
you know, they're going off on their own new adventure. They don't have to exist in continuity with the former Cybertron or exactly. the Autobots or the Decepticons because this is a brand new way of looking at them. And then even more interestingly, I would say, there was no intention to sell toys based on this comic because you can't sell toys based on comics. No, because the, the audience isn't there. don't have enough of an yeah. audience. So the fact that all of these toys are now sitting in front of you is great news. Is a testament to how beloved this series became. To take all these B and C listers and, and actually give them a and now they all have toys. But um, yeah, it's a bloody great series. Look, Michael. listen, it goes off onto the Victorian explorer I, thing, I, as you were saying. Go on. That's the thing I love the most about it is it really just develops into this Victorian explorer frontier thing. And the kind of supernatural elements are introduced that I never would have expected from something like that. So we've mentioned the Soul Stealer already, but a Soul Stealer is basically... Sorry, Spark... (laughs) Spark Eater um, is basically someone who hunts Autobots, Decepticons, Cybertronians, and (laughs) devours their soul or their spark. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a Wendigo myth updated or a vampire um, updated. Well, yeah, I would say more Wendigo than. I think it's a Wendigo vampire. because they're. It said that it's someone who's lost their way and they become this being, and that's what a Wendigo is in Native American um, mythology. It, it's either a warrior who became lost or trapped mm-hmm. um, and hungry, and they are taken by a, a malevolent spirit in the wild, and they become um, a Wendigo. And a Wendigo is someone who feasts on the flesh of their own kind. So they're cannibals, um, and that's exactly what the spark. Stealer is Eater God damn it That's hard to keep in my head um, That's exactly what The Spark Eater is In this um, And more importantly They kind of flesh that out Over the time And they say that They're drawn to places Of misery and mm-hmm. Anguish um, And we find out That the ship that they're on The Lost Light Is a nail ship It's how nails arrive Back to the planet Cybertron mm-hmm. So we don't know What's happened On the nail ship That would have drawn um, A Spark Eater There you go To the, <laughs> to the ship but it becomes this interesting um, kind of secondary arc. And again, it just it's a very simple subplot that fleshes out the entire universe in a brand new way. It's oddly enough playing with horror um, tropes in a way I didn't expect from a comic like this. The other thing is, it's it, there are some very nice... This, people, some people love this, some people hate this. But okay. James Roberts is constantly dropping in little references... And you think that they might pay off or they might be just a little reference. Okay. So even within the three, the very short three issues, like one thing you could argue about this is it's quite short because it's just three issues of a comic. Mm. But he packs a there's lot, a lot. Of, <laughs> there's a lot of dialogue in it. It, it reads like a six or seven issue. Because I sat down to read it and I was like, oh, I'll be through this in no time. Nope. Took no, me a while. I had to, had to slog. It is dense material. Yeah. Um, but for example, in episode issue two, mm we see that the Lost Light has uh, had an accident. Come a cropper. Because shocker or... The other thing is, a lot of the characters are written to be read with a British accent. Shock and awe. Shock and awe. Shock and awe. Which see? is... Uh, look see? at you. So it's quite clever. Look at um, you. But he has materialised accidentally half inside the engines. Which is the first rule of interstellar travel. Don't stand near the quantum engines. When it's going to flout the law of physics. Exactly. And then look later... Rodimus uses that exact bit of just foreshadowing. An, just one issue later. Chekhov's gun. It, but the thing about a Chekhov's gun is a Chekhov's gun is usually obvious. It's not at all in this but case. But this isn't obvious because you think that that's 
that's not the introduce, introduction of a plot point, that's the resolution of a plot point. Yeah. But it's not the resolution of a plot point because it comes back later. And that is very common throughout the series. Yeah. It keeps happening. Did you feel too many mysteries? You see, I might be asking the wrong person because you probably don't know what's mysteries and what's just references. We say I haven't read know. the whole series yet. But I think in terms of a first three issue run, that's exactly what you need to do to get mm. off the ground running. You need to establish a lot of hooks that people can kind of invest in, see what happens and see where it's necessary. What has to happen then, and I think probably what we've seen in the wake of season eight of Game of Thrones is there has to be some kind of payoff if you drop that many hooks. If you drop that many hooks and you choose to cut half of them, then you're in trouble. You may find a fan base that's going, well, why the hell did we invest? What, what about Nymeria? In this, uh, what part is that in? The- Nymeria is Game of Thrones, the wolf. Oh, yeah. Castle. I mean, that was all wasted stuff. Yeah. All that character development in Bran as the Raven King. Let's talk about Transformers now. Yeah, yeah, what sorry. I, That's what I just meant in terms of the thing. Go on. What did you think of the character of Tailgate? Tailgate's an interesting one because he's kind of our view into a previous generation of Transformers. Mm-hmm. And he's great... Because he's not aware of the political conflict. Isn't that interesting? And that's exactly why he exists. And his cliffhanger at the end is, is that after six million years, so he missed the Autobot Decepticon war. Mm. And then he has a chance to kind of find out about the Autobots and Decepticons. And he's very much an innocent character. Yeah. He's kind of naive and he gives the impression of being young. Well, he just, Even though he's the oldest. Even though he's the oldest, but he's been unconscious for yeah. most of his life. And he decides he wants to be a Decepticon. Yeah, because I think that's what James Roberts is trying to do, and I could be wrong here, but he's really trying to take out the villain and hero role, and he's making it a much more mature thing of, well, it's two different political belief systems going at it. I think the Decepticons are branded far more as anarchists or libertarians, mm-hmm. um, and Autobots are far more... Not necessarily Republican, but definitely Royalist and um, hierarchical. They're mm-hmm. they're very invested in a class system of some kind. It would seem. Did you like uh, the little the little twisty? Not even a twist. It's just a little gag of when when Tailgate thinks he's killed Whirl, and he's disgusted. He's horrified that he thinks he's killed him. But Swerve calls Whirl nutjob. Yeah. Did you notice then that Tailgate doesn't pick up? on that that's a joke and he thinks Nutjob's his name yeah and he calls him Nutjob he calls him Nutjob yeah yeah <laughs> um, like, oh my god I can't believe I killed Nutjob and Nutjob is a perfectly reasonable sounding name when you can have characters called Tailgate well, and it's, Swerve it, it'd be like Bolt Labor or something like that yeah. it'd be like yeah it would totally be fine. perfectly fine um, and yeah so I mean you have all these different factions going at it uh, across the thing and it's it's oh, it's such a good series it's Michael. a very good series I was then. not expecting it at all Michael Look, Um it's a very good series. The thing you need to do is accept that you're not supposed to know a lot of the terminology in it. I've seen a lot of people come unstuck on it because they're going, this is too deep in Transformers lore. I don't think that's true. I think I don't think it's anything that you can't get to grips with with a little bit of focus. Um, and I think that's the benefit of characters like uh, Tailgate. Is they're not up to date either. And then they introduce Swerve. Is it Swerve? That's Skids. Skids, sorry. Then they introduce Skids and he seems to have been out of action for a while. Um, is the Transformers 1984 movie villainized? Uh, the, the movie was 1986. Transformers, the cartoon, starts in 1984. And is that a bad series of some kind? Well, or? I mean, it's it was made to sell toys. It's I, I was narratively just, poor. The, because the, the strange... 
guard robot that mm-hmm. uh, Skid seems to face off against repeat 1984 and I didn't know if that was some kind of Orwellian reference to 1984 <laughs> and but I, that's what I thought originally yeah, but now enough. that you've mentioned that 1984 is the the um, year transformer it obviously has something to do with that in a, or does it or, or does it or is it just something he didn't like and is that why the bad guys yeah you see he's got a little hook I've I've got a little hook in my chicken it's been tugged Ben what did you think of the art some of it by Ireland's own Nicholas Roach Nicholas Roach uh, Ireland's own yeah uh, great great I don't know if Nick's name is great (laughs) it is now Um, but I think um, very different to anything I'm used to Right. This takes a completely different skill set. It does indeed. Um, you're drawing a giant robot to illustrate, but more than that, you're drawing multiple giant robots. Lots and lots of the bastards. Um, and you're drawing class systems, and you're drawing jobs, and you're drawing like like one of the things that Skids says. The little guy Swerve. Swerve. Uh, one of the things that Swerve says is when he watches Skids take out the guard robot, who's much bigger than him. He goes, mm-hmm. "Oh, are you one of the warrior class? Did you fight in the war?" And he says, "No, I'm a theoretician." Mm-hmm. Um, um, and obviously there are certain things for certain bots that, you know some of them are warriors and some mm-hmm. of them have skill sets that denote that but trying to come up with all those color schemes and all those different things to give them a sense of personality and to give them a sense one of the interesting characters is Rung and from a character design point of view he has eyebrows his expressive eyebrows and the other bots make fun of him for yeah. it they yeah. go oh there's eyebrows yeah and it's a really weird thing that you would never consider, but you kind of need it. Um, it's a fascinating new skill set. I would say in certain places it suffers from a little bit of distinction storytelling where it can be hard to keep track of what character's doing what. Well, that's what I was going to ask you because for me it's quite easy because I can I could recognize a Transformer from his color scheme and a blurry image. I could never do that. Mm. Um, and you have these reference points sitting around your, yeah, that's true. your, your room, um, your giant tiny room, your giant collection in your tiny room. But for me... Um, occasionally I was lost a little bit but I think overall they maintain this wonderful um, coherence of design and their silhouette design is excellent and Mm -hmm. for anyone who's a fan of character design or um, anything like that you'll know that the silhouette is the first thing you need to start with Um, and one of the ones that really uh, stood out to me was Cyclonus who has kind of a Japanese samurai style design but you can make him out easily Mm -hmm. because of his silhouette and a lot of those world is another great example because he has a mono eye. He yeah. doesn't. He doesn't have a face. Yeah, that's why he's he, an unusual. Why he hates wrong uh, because he's so expressive. He's I guess for his capacity for self-expression. Yeah. The other thing is because they're giant robots, you can do vastly different sizes and shapes, and, and it's perfectly fine. Yeah, like you're never going to mix Ultra Magnus up with Swerve. No, won't happen. Ultra Magnus size and is scale. a massive thing. The thing is, when when there are fill-in artists, this is something they often get wrong. They'll draw. They'll draw Swerve the same height as, let's say, Chrome Dome. Wrong. Which is just is a bit upsetting. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts, Michael. One of the things that I really loved about this is it finally establishes stakes in some form, which is what I felt the Transformers movies lacked a lot. You didn't really know where the stakes were, and you didn't know what could kill a Transformer. Right. And early on in the More Than Meets the Eye run, we see what kills Transformers. Um, it's having your spark extinguished. Yeah. Um, but you can lose limbs, you can lose uh, various things, or you could be fused with an interstellar travel drive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that that's what happens. But it was interesting to finally have those uh, stakes established for me. But apparently... Go on. Those kind of injuries can be life-threatening if you don't have a technician like Ratchet on hand mm. to fix you. Mm-hmm. The only reason that Rodimus could get away with his kind of Hail Mary play where he shoves the star eater or the spark eater, spark eater 
into the interstellar warp drive is because he trusts Ratchet to fix his hands because he mm-hmm. loses his hands in that move. Mm-hmm. They get fused with the drive. Um, and you kind of have to wait and see what happens. So one of the things that I really enjoyed is I finally understand what the stakes are for a Cybertronian, mm-hmm. how, how that works. And it can be your brain unit or your spark spark or, or your, your transformation, transformation cog. cog. And I, I really enjoyed understanding how a robot can be injured. Yeah. You can, and they have a finite amount of transformations in them, mm-hmm. which I never understood. And Rung has the brighter spark because he keeps excellent care of himself. Or does he? Or does he? But I mean, in the established three issues that we have. Well, they also said he had a very interesting serial number. He's one million or something. One million. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing. And it's interesting to see that class system take place. He goes, I was your psychiatrist. I was your psychologist for six years. Mm -hmm. And he goes, eh, six years is nothing in the span of an Autobot. Because they live for millions of years. They live for millions of years. It's a brand new stakes. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed that I finally understand how all of that works. And it was interesting to see Pride and the Fall and things like that in robots. I, uh, Michael, gosh, I enjoyed he this. Enjoyed it. Ben, what do you think people who like this would also enjoy? One of the things I think they'll really enjoy is The Terror, which is an odd historical fiction thing. On Netflix. On Netflix. I've been wanting to watch that. Um, I think anyone who watches this would love The Terror. That's anyone who's into that will love The Terror. I would love to see The Terror. I'm um, watch the terror now. So I, think there, I think Dead Space might be an interesting for, uh, for one for anyone who got really into The Spark Eater. Mm-hmm. Um, and that element and horror in space. Um, I think Warhammer might be an interesting choice for anyone who enjoyed the the uh, Swerve and no, not Swerve. It is Swerve, isn't it? I don't know. Swerve, the one who goes up against the big sandbot saying 1984. It's no, not it's Skids. It's skids. Anyone who enjoyed the Skids one will probably enjoy and Dune. For all I know, <laughs> strange sand creatures coming out of nowhere. What do you think people would enjoy well, if they enjoyed the, this? The the all time classic uh, Transformers comics that the undeniable kind of renaissance bringer of Transformers was also by Nick Roach, Ireland's own Nick Roach. Ireland's it was Nick called uh, Transformers Sins of the Wreckers. Sins of the Wreckers. And Sins of the Wreckers, it's by Nick Roach. It's a good cover. It's a very good cover. It's a very good, it's a very, very good, oh no, it's not called Sins of the Wreckers. It's called Last Stand of the Wreckers. Doesn't matter. Sins of the Wreckers is the follow-up. Um, and that was the spark, if you'll pardon the pun, Meh. that ignited this kind of golden age of the ID dubs. I wouldn't recommend, Ben, um, Transformers Robots in Disguise. <gasps> unless you really, 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 which you might have liked that kind of nail immigration uh, racism plot. I don't think it's essential to the overall plot. I think it's important to understand why we don't see Megatron and uh, Optimus Prime. Yeah. I think it's important in establishing that, especially in the More Than Meets the Eye run. I would love to read more of the More Than Meets the Eye run, and I will be borrowing well, look, uh, the copies there, that there. you have there in front of you. Um what did you think of this comic, ladies and gentlemen? I really enjoyed it. What, as- oh, yeah, no, you're not me. <laughs> what aspect did you enjoy the most between ben, the two? I had surgery. Uh, okay. I had surgery on my knee a few oh, I'm years ago. I'm sorry to hear that, Michael. No, it's fine now. You okay? I had surgery on my knee a few years ago and I was on the morphine. And when I was in hospital on the morphine, I brought it into hospital. Well, my good lady friend brought in Some Transformers more than, the eye, more than Meets the Eye Volumes 1 to 4. Did you I try s- to run away from a spark eater? No, but I sat in bed in hospital on morphine reading these four collect trade paperbacks 
happiest day of my life. What a delirium that <laughs> oh, is. Oh, it was just wonderful. Um, what a delirium. So I can't recommend morphine enough. So guys, if you go to your local hospital here in Ireland and ask your doctor for a morphine prescription to read More Than Meets the Eye, he'll give it to you straight away. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But what did you enjoy the most? Are you a Transformers fan? Are you a More Than Meets the Eye robots in disguise Transformers fan? Oh, look fan? at you. Do you think that James Roberts and Nick Roach do a great old job of Transformers or do you not like it? Let us know down below. Yeah. Um, what you. would you recommend in place of this? Would you like us to see? Would you like to see us cover more Transformers things on this? Is this the first channel? thing we've kind of covered that's a franchise? Yeah. Well, no, we've done Bloodshot, but Bloodshot was no good. Oh. Um. Well, that was my opinion back in the day. But this, I wholeheartedly recommend. I think this is one of the best recommendations you've ever given me, Michael. Oh, you've given me some great ones over the years. Oh, that's very nice. So, um, I was a big fan. Were you a big fan too? Let I us was, know yeah. down below. No, I just said remember. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us here at the podcast, you can get in touch with us at showmerbug.com. Um, we are of course on Podbean. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify now. Yeah. Um, give us an L review. You can give us an L review. That always helps. We love it. Um, for anyone in Ireland who's been listening, we will be at the Dublin Comic Con in two weeks on the eighth and ninth of August. Yeah, we will. Um, here in the convention center in talking about transformers so if you want to have a chat with us there we'd love to do some interviews with you we'd love to hear your thoughts on various things um so yeah let us know down below and as always screw michael bay what a messy adaptation (laughs) yay Yay. get out of here michael bay you son of a bitch